Hello and welcome to the Purpuri Podcast. Shouldn't you be at work? We're gonna play football. to a uh, very hotly awaited uh, by at least uh, at least five of you a Puro Puro podcast special which we have entitled hashtag football is pro wrestling we're going to do this to uh, coincide with the World Cup which hopefully at the time this is released will be, uh, still be ongoing and uh, England will of course be uh, taking home the trophy with a uh, wonderful hat trick from Harry the Absolute Unit Maguire so um <laughs> So basically, when when we say football is pro wrestling, we don't mean that it literally is pro wrestling. Although, judging by some of the uh, challenges made on uh, on Harry Kane by some of the Tunisian defenders in England's first game, a lovely STO by their uh, centre back at one point, absolutely textbook. And it, and it did bring up um, something out of the big book of football cliches, which several commentators have already said this tournament, and I certainly drank too. Which was well, it's getting a bit like WWF in that penalty box. Yes, and you can. Do you know something, Daniel George? If they'd done that in the street, they'd have been convicted oh, for assault. And, <laughs> and you can tell how much these uh, these commentators are in touch with wrestling by the fact they call it WWF. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, and, and, yeah, and they actually mean wrestling. They don't mean <laughs> they don't actually mean the particular uh, promotion. You know. No. So it's all turning into Michinoku Pro <laughs> circa 1996. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, when we say uh, football is pro wrestling, we don't literally mean it's pro wrestling. What we mean is it has some of the characteristics that make pro wrestling pro wrestling, such as uh, big personalities, feuds, angles, storylines, and, uh, you know, some of the things that you're seeing may not necessarily be on the level. We will get to that um, later in the episode. So what we're going to do is, much like we did with the um, hashtag where it was, is pro wrestling episode, we're going to zero in on... Um, certain aspects of what makes football pro wrestling, have a little talk about them and sort of lay bare our sort of weird football fetishes and all the rest of it. Because, um, you know, as you may have noticed, if you've listened to the podcast at all, uh, we are very much into our footy. And uh, this is going to be an opportunity for us to get all the football talk out of our systems uh, in lieu of future episodes. Having said that, that definitely will not happen. There will be weird football related tangents in pretty much any subject that we care to discuss on the podcast. And you're just going to have to deal with it. Who knows? One of us might even start a football related podcast. Yeah, yeah, we might. Who knows? Right. Yes. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. A, a nod's um, as good as a wink to a blind bat. What's good for the goose is good for the gander and other things. That 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 sounds like something that uh, that Laura would say. Uh, in between being incredibly disparaging about Eastern European countries, I remember Romania, Albania. <laughs> You're not off the hook yet, Laura. He makes fucking Las Vegas sound like uh, sound like real big fish. Like that's that's the. Uh... Jesus. The level of downness to which the I never is, thought but, uh, I would be on a podcast that would have referenced those two bands. <laughs> <laughs> not just not just those two bands, but in the same sentence. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> ha- hash, hashtag hated by everyone but me. Early two thousand Scarpunk is pro wrestling. 
if we ever do Scarpunk is pro wrestling, I am fucking striking and picketing outside your house, and, and I'm fucking not coming on. <laughs> you, you're gonna you're gonna bring the other Spanish CNT member with you. <laughs> well, I, I'm absolutely uh, using the ska version of uh, Great Sasuke's theme at the end oh. of this just to wind up. <laughs> Please do. Um, so yeah, um, we the first thing we were going to do with regards to. Um, Hashtag football is pro wrestling. There have been a few occasions in which football has actually been pro wrestling in that there have been uh, footballers that have turned their hands to uh, pro wrestling. Uh, I was trying to rack my head to think of a few and uh, I've come up with come up with a few names. So um, firstly, there was a guy called um, Stuart Tomlinson who uh, briefly had a run in NXT under the name Hugo Knox. Uh, he, I don't think he ever made TV, but uh, on the sort of Florida Circuit House shows, he had a party boy gimmick, meant to have a pretty nifty uh, split leg of moonsault, and uh, he was future endeavoured uh, sometime last year. Um, so uh, he was a uh, lower league footballer for uh, teams like uh, Crew Alexandra, uh, people, people like that, not exactly sort of, he wasn't a big name footballer, he was just the footballer that the Fed happened to sign because they were like, hey, we need a, a, a soccer player and uh, this this guy is it. So there's one. Um, he did um, also he did also get possibly my favourite terrace heckle ever when they started chanting, your arse is a roundabout. Your arse <laughs> is a roundabout. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Uh, that was just full sale. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take that over most of the full sale chants, to be fair. Yeah, um, I think it's great. The... Yeah. The uh, next name that I've uh, come up with um, is uh, um, Tim Visa, who uh, I was uh, very fond of as part of that uh, uh, great Werder Bremen team of the uh, early 2010s of uh, Edin Dzeko and Graffiti et al. Uh, Tim Visa has never been contracted to WWE, but he has performed in tag matches on uh, German house shows. Uh, I think tagging with Cesaro um, usually. He comes in, does a few shoulder blocks, and uh, so basically... Uh, he used to be a footballer. He got real jacked. Um, may or may not be on a slight bit of gas, uh, which might explain why the WWE has never signed him, allegedly. All I'm saying is, uh, Google Tim Visa and uh, you you be the judge of that. I actually watched his um, his debut match. It was in Munich, and it was him, uh, Cesaro Sheamus against, I think it was Bo Dallas and some other scrubs. And... <laughs> uh, and uh, it was great. He was like by far the most over person in the company in that building. They were going absolutely mental for him. And like it's just things like that that I feel that to be honest, you know what? You need stuff like that. That is an absolute boon to you to have something like that yeah. in your company because yeah. the crowd are going mental. And if they could just trot him out at every German house show from now to like you know until NXT UK dies, and then uh, and all six months of those shows, um, <laughs> he would. He would just be loved. He'd just be absolutely loved. Get Tim, get Tim Visor on NXT UK. That's what I want to see. But, you know, you, if you just had like a roster of like one footballer for each country, and you just uh, who would want to see Ivan Hurtado coming out when they uh, hit uh, hit Keto or Guayaquil? Doing <laughs> doing a few doing a few lariats, sending the crowd home happy. Oh, lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Oh, in all, in all seriousness, they should absolutely get Tim Visor into WXW. Can you yeah. imagine? Like, I was literally just thinking, like, was I was just thinking that. Like, get, just season him a bit more. Like, you know, make sure that he's he's got enough to actually perform in what, what is actually now a pretty high-level promotion, actually. The, the, oh, yeah, that's great. They're, they're like, home, um, yeah. homegrown workers are fucking excellent as well now, um, noticeably more so than they were even a few years ago. So I think that would be absolutely amazing to have someone like him come in. 
you know? And you, you know. They used to have a big, they used to be a big deathmatch promotion because I remember they used to be really in with Big Japan and CCW and it was all very deathmatchy and then they just totally got rid of it. Well, well the guy who founded it is just called Hate in uh, like all caps. <laughs> so that sort of gives you, uh, gives you a, a flavour. Yeah, if that doesn't sound like a Glaswegian doom band from the early 2000s uh, based in and around <laughs> a bunch of blokes that have dropped out of university because they smoke too much dope and I don't know what it does. <laughs> Like, uh, in fact, in fact, in fact, I do remember one that um, our friend Andrew, our mutual friend Andrew, David, will, will know and laugh about if he's listening, uh, which was just called Harm. Harm. <laughs> Excellent. You know, that's so funny. Anyway, yeah, um, but with the Vice thing, what I think this, um, you know, this, this big, enormous, I mean, you said he was gassed. He's gassier than a bottle of Coca-Cola that has Eamon Andrews trapped inside. Like, that is how <laughs> gassy he is, right? He is so big. Like, just, it's um, unbelievable. I'm genuinely do, do, worried for him. You know, he is the real archetype of that like Herculean kind of like Atlas style big man figure, um, which I think connects back to football because he's pumped up, you know, since football obviously to get into this shape. But I think football and wrestling, and I'll hand it over to you guys after I sort of say this. Football and wrestling, and we both have these. Um, they're just different ways of telling a story. Sometimes one is not, one is fixed, and one isn't. Uh, but they still have these kind of things that we attach to them. These tropes. These, um, you know much more intelligent people than me, literary theorists from Russia and shit have written about this. But, you know, they each tell a different set of stories with um, characters in them and you attach different feelings to them. So for me, they're actually very closely connected and things I just really enjoy in life uh, because of that, you know? So, yeah, that's um, probably what we'll get onto when he's talk talk about some of our promos as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was, I was going to say, Tim Weiser, I mean, you can tell it's in the steroids because his theme tune when it comes out is just that song that they use in the Gazprom adverts between Chinese <laughs> matches. That's brilliant. Um, his, yeah. his, his, NXT, his NXT name is actually going to be Gazprom. <laughs> just stay away from the horse um, castle, for God's sake. I enjoy a lovely pint of Gazprom when I'm watching the I enjoy a lovely pint of Gazprom um, of, a, of a putsch. So uh, the the third the third footballer um, moving over to Japan, which is after all what our sort of main uh, main area of, of expertise as it is yeah. is uh, is uh, the uh, ace of ice ribbon Tsukasa Fujimoto uh, used to be a uh, pro futsal goalkeeper. Right. Did not know there were were such things in Japan. Uh, yeah. If you're wondering why futsal and not football, uh, watch one of her matches and see how tall she is. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that might that might answer your question. She's five foot nothing, if that. Mm. Um, so, so there's her, and probably the most famous out of uh, out of these uh, footballers turned wrestlers that I managed to think of is uh, Rusuke Taguchi, uh, a multi-time junior heavyweight champion in um, in New Japan. Funky weapon. To, also, yeah, the funky weapon the funky used to weapon. be a footballer. His uh, stable, uh, Taguchi Japan, is actually a football reference. Uh, in Japan, the team is always nicknamed uh, after the name of the manager. So in the past, it would have been uh, Zico Japan or Trusier Japan or uh, Nishino Japan, as it is at the moment. So Taguchi Japan is like he's the coach slash captain, and they all come out in these knockoff Japan football shirts. The number on the back of his is uh, 69, and at this point, I feel compelled to inform you that Ryusuke Taguchi is a grown man in his early 40s. And he can do what he likes. <laughs> Behind closed doors. Yes, um, that's you saying that. Uh, well, I, uh, yeah, because I mean, like one of the one of the kind of um, spurs on for this episode was, I mean, like Grant Holt, for example, plays for Hibs and he used to play for Norwich, mm. and he is wrestling for Ricky Knight <laughs> like a couple of weeks. What's the deal um, with that? Has he been yeah, like, has he been trained up to wrestle, or is it a kind of um, is it going to be a, a smoke and mirrors? 
um, Jimmy Corkill ICW style thing. Look, WAW gives spots in their battle role to raffle winners. I don't think that uh, I don't think they're going to have any qualms about. That's quite low down the list of like scummy things that that, that, that mark them out as being low rent. To be honest, <laughs> that's actually clever. Uh, allegedly, it's very weird because I well the one and only time I've ever been to a live raw taping there was a sign um, saying Grant Holt is God in the crowd, presumably Ricky Knight uh, playing a bit of a long con. Um, but I mean, Grant Holt hasn't made his debut yet, and uh, aside from him, all the other footballers I've named. Um, have one thing in common, and that is that they are all goalkeepers. Mm. And yeah. I was just wondering if you guys th- thought there was anything that makes goalkeepers particularly well suited to becoming pro wrestlers. I, I do. Um, absolutely. You, you, I, I have an idea as well. Oh, right, okay, okay, well, I'll, I'll go and then we'll see if it's the same, and if, you, if it's the same, we can talk about it. Um, well, all I'm going to say is that um, now I'm not someone that's played football competitively since, I mean, really competitively since I was about uh, 17, right? Are you listening, Reddish Vulcans? Oh, the Vulcans. <laughs> oh, are you listening in strange ways, Mr. Chairman? Can you hear me? <laughs> Can you hear me? You boys suck one hell of a beating. Um... Yeah, anyway, so um, so I haven't played competitively since about 17. Listeners to our, um, was it our Christmas special? Yeah, so, yeah of course it was our Christmas special. special. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll, um, we'll probably remember um, a story I told about when I was young and I was playing, so I won't go through that again. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm someone that has a, um, at least played at the normal average level of most people in the country, which is like on a Sunday when you're a teenager, basically, like your local team, right? Now, I played for about 10 years, 11 years. Every single team I played in, to a man, the goalkeeper was fucking absolutely off his base somewhere else on the planet. Bonkers. Right? And I speak as a man who's had several mental breakdowns. <laughs> like, these people were unhinged. Like, uh, and even from a young age, you could see it. Like, um, I don't know whether it was just the fact that they loved it. Because remember, this was UK football. We're talking eight-year-old kids playing on a full-size 11-a-side pitch with a, with a, a big five-size ball with a small kid standing in a full-size goal. Like, who would want to bring that upon themselves, that kind of punishment and like, attrition? Uh, but all of them absolutely loved it. Um, they loved getting stuck in and taking, you know, and risks and stuff like that. They loved, um, you know, getting really right into the feet of an attacker. And I just used to always think, there's something a bit extra about these lads. So maybe that extra thing can be transferred to wrestling. It's a kind of it's a kind of um, eccentricity or charisma that's kind of waiting to be pulled out of goalkeepers because it is a weird position to be in. It's a very lonely position, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking as well. I mean, you look at the, uh, the, the old adage about the substitute goalkeeper. Mm. You know, it takes a, ma- a man of, you know, a certain mental quality to uh, be a substitute goalkeeper. He's permanently on the bench. Yeah, goalkeepers are off their fucking heads. And that's, that's basically it. I, I, I would say, though, I, I, obviously, we, we did look at this. Like, I, think, I think the problem as well is that with goalkeepers, they're not always necessarily in the spotlight as much as like a striker or even like a, you know, an attacking midfielder because mm-hmm. they are the goalkeeper. And they only really ever get in the spotlight for when they fuck up, like, you know, like Loris Carius and things like that. You know, like, they only ever get, you know, the attention oh, when God. they make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a really, 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 really poor, um, you know, situation for them. But 
I think it must be that sort of thing where, you know, when you're in that sort of situation where it's just you between the sticks and the attention is not on you, you're sometimes the last man, you know, that people think yeah. about on the pitch. Yeah. You know, I, I, there must be a sort of inherent, you know, want to kind of, you know, box that trend and maybe get a bit of the spotlight. Yeah, I mean, like, the only way that you get noticed as a goalkeeper, aside from making a horrendous hash, literally the only other way is to have been consistently excellent over a period of years, as is the case with uh, David De Gea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, that's the thing. Become known as being literally world-class or a complete a complete buffoon. Yeah. Like, there is no in-between. Other than that, you just you just turn up, you make you make your saves, you know, and, and you fuck off. I was going to say, I mean, look at the you look at the ninety South American goalkeepers of like Higuita with a scorpion kick, and yeah. like you know Shilaver who you know was pinging in free kicks and penalties uh, all over the place. There is an eccentricity there that absolutely you can see it, it can translate over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, also, also, I guess they do take bumps of a sort to a greater degree than uh, the most footballers. You know, some of these uh, some of these flying saves. And you, you have to be absolutely fearless as a goalkeeper, be it throwing yourself at the feet of an opposing striker or you know, making a flying fingertip save for a shot bound for the, a shot bound for the top corner, um, knowing that you're going to take a bit of a fall. So I guess that's also part of it. You know, you, you, you have to throw yourself around and you have to be prepared to take some of the knocks. So, yeah, I, I think... I think certainly there is uh, something. It's just very weird that aside from Grant Hold, I literally couldn't think of a single outfield player who uh, went on to become wrestling. If you have any, uh, do tweet to us. Like I probably have, I probably have forgotten some. Um, I mean, yeah, the thing with the um, the thing about you said about bumping, I think is, is it must be true because goalkeepers must be taught how to bump. And, you know, they must be taught how to land, distribute their weight. Because, yeah. I mean, like, um, you're, you're taught it in, like, every martial art. Like, um, and keepers are coming from a much bigger height um, <laughs> a lot of the time with more force than would happen in martial arts. So it must happen. Yeah, good point. Go, go on, David, then one more, because you you look like you're itching to, uh, itching to give me another. Well, I mean, I, I did a wee bit of research about this myself. And, like, I, I had a look and I seen that, you know, um, there was quite a few players who played, like, soccer. Uh, soccer. Oh, my God, just kill me now. Um <laughs> There was quite a few uh, wrestlers who played football at a sort of a lower level, a sort of youth, you know, level, you know, like similar to what Daniel did and stuff like that. Like Argentina Rocco, uh, used to play football for in Argentina, um, and Andre the Giant played youth football. Um, he was a pacey little, you know, central defender, you know, low center of gravity, all that. Uh, but then I thought about who, the one that really stands out for me, uh, being from Glasgow, is um. The is the absolute legend, the king of strong style himself, Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, he once scored, ah. once scored a free kick for Celtic in the last minute to win them the title against Kilmarnock. Um, I mean, an absolute legend. And then he just transferred over to New Japan, and <laughs> he moved on from there. And now he's in NXT. You know, you know. But I mean, like, you always see it on the wrestling forum and stuff like that. All these people they watch it Nakamura's matches with AJ Styles, and they're like, it's great, but. It's not as good as when he faced Manchester United, you know. Like you know, that free kick was amazing. He's never going to reach those heights again. So yeah, that would be my choice, um, Nakamura, um, for uh, uh, footballers who turned into wrestling. Yeah. Um. So 
now, I mean, now that we've talked about uh, footballers who were pro wrestlers, uh, what I thought might be a little, little fun game for us to play is for us to suggest uh, footballers, either current footballers or ones of the past, who didn't go into wrestling but we think would have been good had they done so. So I've got a couple, first of all. So um, the first one I'm going to say is uh, Zlatan. Great. Who oh, yeah, I think absolutely. would have been great as uh, a really sort of arrogant heel, but a guy who's got the skills to back it up. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen that press conference where he got his first big move. I think it was to it was Inter or AC Milan. I think Inter. And uh, the interviewer asked him, "How do you think moving to this uh, big club will uh, help you improve your skills?" And he just said, "I'm already brilliant." <laughs> <laughs> He's, um, he, he's and, well become uh, the most feared striker in the WWE. As well. <laughs> I mean, it, it was. I think he, he's, he's still at it actually because um, recently he signed for LA Galaxy and uh, scored like a ridiculous thirty-five yarder uh, on his debut, and then just tweeted, "You're welcome." <laughs> <laughs> so he's got the Damien Sandow gimmick going, basically. So uh, I think he'd be absolutely, uh, I think he'd be absolutely fantastic sort of main event heel, but uh, crucially a main event heel who is beatable because we all know that um, he never got it done on the big stage. Probably my the thing that sums up Zlatan most for me was scoring one of the greatest goals of all time, um, a bicycle kick from about forty five yards, but Incredible. in a meaningless friendly against England in the last minute when Sweden were already three two up. You know, is that uh, is that kind of thing? I'm sure, David can assure us. Well, I mean, it's prof- I am profoundly rigid just thinking about it. So. <laughs> um, the other name that I had, not so much, this isn't so much for his personality or even for his physical style, although I think his physical style would have been a good fit. Um, but for, I think he could have been world class at a certain move um, in the same way that Alicia Fox is not particularly a good wrestler, but her Northern Light Suplex is world class and her Tilted World Backbaker is world class. So Alicia we've all talked Fox's, about uh, Northern Light Suplex more than anyone I know. This is like. I- at least at the second or third time he has mentioned us on this podcast. It's just my go-to, no, no, like, it's wow, like, it's wow this person's doing no this one move. Else I know who I talk about wrestling with has that as a move in their head. It's, it's brilliantly unique. I, love it. I never noticed um, it. Really good. But, um, I mean, we all talk about um, uh, Katsuyu Shibata's uh, mastery of the penalty kick. You know, the fact he would very much lay it in and something we've been uh, critical of Zack Sabre Jr. for uh, in the past because I mean, he didn't really start to really doing them forcefully enough until he until he got yeah. to Japan and realised, hang on a minute, I've got to step up my game here. But I think there would be uh, one person who I think could have even done a better penalty kick than Katsuyori Shibata in pro wrestling. And the name I'm going to pull out the hat for you is Julian <gasps> Dix. <laughs> the hardest cockney to ever come from Bristol. <laughs> like, Julian Dix's penalty technique. Can we, was... no, can we just pause? I'm just a second. I just want for some of our listeners that maybe might have listeners who aren't um, who aren't from England or don't know anything about um, British or Scottish football and never heard of Julian Dix. First of all, shall we address the name? You do not need a gimmick. His name is Julian Dix. He dicks on you. <laughs> That's his catchphrase. I dick on you. It's phenomenal. Finisher, the penalty kick. For anyone that doesn't know, he literally looks like, if you said to someone, what does a hooligan from the 80s look like who's worked out quite a lot and happens to be a football player? They would draw you a picture of him. If I asked my Spanish students that, that's what they would draw. Julian Dix, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, his penalty technique was amazing because like, there, were, there were players like, you know, players who became known for uh, 
penalties with finesse. We're talking Zidane, obviously, Penenka. Uh, and there was uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy, whose technique was always place it in the um, bottom left corner really accurately. The goalkeeper knows what he's going to do, but he can't save it because he's bang on all the time. Julian Dix would put not only his foot, but the entirety of his body through the ball. His essence. That ball yeah. was getting, it was getting hit and it was staying hit. It was often in the back of the net before the goalkeeper had even had time to dive. Mm, yeah, he, he, get, he stay hit. Just type Julian Dick's penalty into YouTube. There will be some absolute corkers. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, so those, those are my picks. Who, who, who do you guys think would be uh, you know, footballers who would do a good job as pro wrestler for you know, whatever criteria you would like to uh, put forth? Well, I mean, I've got one that sticks out, and to, to be honest, there was it was flirtations with it. Um, I can fin well, I think. Oh yeah, um, finishing move the pounds, obviously. He would absolutely have to have the pounds. Um, like just absolutely just running people over. And he would be absolutely marvelous at it. The other thing, the other one, actually, there was one or two other ones I thought, but there was there was one that just came to me there, and I want to picture the scene for you. It's the eighties. The NWA World Champion is coming to Wolverhampton. The, the, ba- the baby face hero that the entire town is behind there. I give you Steve Bull. Absolute, oh, yes! Oh, bully. Can't be a bit of bully. He can't be a bit of bully. He's an absolute local hero. A man that an entire town lives or dies with. Steve Bull as a baby face. A local, a local town baby face against NWA oh. champion. Ric Flair versus Steve Bull in yeah. Wolverhampton. He'd be the, he'd be the bullet bob. He'd be the the Bill Watts, you know. He'd be the Jerry Lawler. He'd be the home that you know, Flair and yeah, Charlotte. He'd be the Kerry Von Erich, yeah. He'd be the. All I'm saying is, uh, if Trent, Trent Seven and, and the lads get uh, Steve Ball to Starworks for one of these big Fight Club Pro weekenders, all I want is a is a photo op between Steve Ball and the Ace of Brit Wrestmaker Satamo. Oh, imagine, imagine. That, but imagine that could almost be a recreation. Let's just imagine for a second. Let's just fantasize and just wish that Steve Bull is like actually a really low key, like super long time, like Joshy fan, right? <laughs> he can recreate the, uh, the the thing we talked about with. Uh, do you remember we talked about in our episode with uh, um, the Jaguar Carter match about Sandman um, drunkenly yes. walking up to her and just telling. <laughs> Telling her that she was a legend and thank you for everything you've done in this business. And then she was just like, who the fuck was that? Oh, God. That'd be brilliant. I mean, yeah, you know, I saw Rack and Femme play once. Did you? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I think, like, 2003 or 2004, it was uh, Grantham Town versus Leighton Orient in the uh, first round of the FA Cup. Um, uh, the, I think the last time Grantham Town actually qualified for the FA Cup proper. Um, and I only, I, I, I didn't remember this at the time, but I watched the highlights of that uh, on YouTube quite recently. I was like, oh, shit, uh, Akin Venwa was playing, because he wasn't well-known then. And actually, I don't think he was quite the size that he is now. It's kind of like watching uh, watching Shinya Hashimoto as a young lion. It's uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's sort of all wrong. He's like, he's there, but not quite. Uh, just before you give yours, Daniel, actually, I did have a thought of another... Uh, again, like um, a, a great heel, and I actually managed to. I did describe this guy in wrestling terms to a friend recently, um, Sergio Ramos. Oh. I think we can uh, all agree. And one one of my mates was uh, who oh, yeah you know, knows about football but not that much, and he watched the Champions League final. He was like, "So why why is Ramos regarded as such a shit out?" Plays for Real. And uh, I said, 
Yeah, well, that that too. But uh, and I did say to him, it was like, well, there are there are footballers like uh, Razor Ruddock or Vinnie Jones or Julian Dix who are hard men because of some deficiency in uh, technique yeah. or fitness or or what yeah. have you. Sergio Ramos is genuinely a world class footballer. Football he, he's fantastic. He doesn't need to be a shit house, but he does it anyway. It's like the uh, the Ric Flair quote: um, "Win if you can, lose if you must, but always yeah. cheat." Yeah. Like, that is Sergio Ramos all Lads, over. Have you seen the famous picture of... of um, uh, I feel like I should say it in Spanish now, because I'm here, of Sergio Ramos. Uh, I'm doing Sid Lowe. Sergio Ramos. Um, <laughs> uh, deep cut for listeners who like football as well. Sid Lowe, sweet yeah. child. <laughs> Mark Wallace, if you're listening to this, you will get Sid Lowe, but that's about... Yeah, yeah, that's about all we got. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, so that's the thing. There's a picture of Sergio Ramos. Coming into his signing for Real Madrid, like for the uh, a new contract extension, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's contract extension or signing. I can't remember. But he, he literally he is wearing what can only be described as, well, a kind of imagine Bobby Roode or Ric Flair, maybe in the uh, kind of really old school, but gone Studio Fifty Four. We're oh, talking. Wow. We're talking. Every layer looks like it could belong on Diana Ross, and it's all white. <laughs> He's dressed himself like a really, really ugly angel. It's horrible. Uh, Actually, can, can I can I say that um, uh, if Julian Dix is to penalty kicks what Katsuya Shibata is, um, Diana Ross is what uh, Zack Sabre Jr. was before he uh, moved to New Japan. Oh, the greatest opening World Cup ceremony ever. Um, <laughs> utterly brilliant in every respect. Now, now I hear Fessler try to say no. I do not know what is. <laughs> If Diana Ross missing a kick with a very oversized ball into a net that was designed to break, but skying it, waddle go over the bar isn't wrestling. I don't know what it is. Well, she was wearing, in fairness to Diana Ross, and I never thought I'd say this, she was wearing massive, massive stilettos at the time. Oh, she like, should have I changed them even... I know. Like, she was actually wearing blades on her stilettos, and it caused her to slip in the wet yeah, pitch. Yeah, she was like, fuck this, I'm going to go old school. Can't trust this new bollocks. Adidas Predators. I think he've. I think even Matt Letizier would have struggled. Uh, struggled for the penalty spot wearing those. Well, speaking of which, that's an incredibly brilliant inadvertent segue to one of the wrestlers that, oh, really? that I've picked. Um, for who I would like to see um, um, as a wrestler. Now, you may think Matt Letizier is not is not choice, okay? Um, but Matt Letizier is is my favourite football player of all time. And usually, a, a favourite football player would come from your own team. But I think for a lot of people, especially my age. Matt Letizia is their favourite player, even though he, he played for Southampton, who were um, you know an, an unsuccessful club and eventually um, um, relegated, and you know um, in, in in and around his time there. And um, it was because he was just a comp- he would just do things you'd never seen before in a football match. Um, he, as Fantasy Football League famously said, "So what if he's got a big ass?" Um, you know, he had a huge ass, a massive nose, and a big belly because he ate McDonald's all the time. And that was what footballers could get away with then. He didn't do anything for half the match, but when he did something, it was just outrageous. You've never seen it before. So I was thinking maybe we could have him as kind of like a really talented, but just kind of indulgent, um, like indie worker, uh, who doesn't really get in shape for like, um, you know, signing to NXT or anything like that, but just kind of, um, you know, knows that he can just cruise about on the indies, but every now and again, he does like a, quadruple, triple, back salt, moon salt, 450, 90 thing you've never seen. You know, um, he's ricochet. Jokes. I'm a, huge, I'm a huge fan of, uh, uh, in the same way as, like, I'm a huge fan of uh, Neville Southall for being absolutely unbelievable on uh, on Twitter. These yeah, days. big up, big, big Neville. Of, uh, the king of the social Chris activism. Neville Southall. 
Mm. Yeah, but but I was I was a big fan of him uh, before. I was because, a big fan of him just like, being a great and, goalkeeper as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. him and Latias. I love footballers who played at a really high level while looking though they turn out for putting. Oh, the, the best, the, the best Latias goal is is not a long range strike. It's nothing particularly spectacular. Um, it's uh, it was actually just bef- I think the last season before the Premier League was founded. Um, what he does, he gets the ball and in the space of ten seconds goes past three defenders and shoots it into the bottom corner of the net. At no point is he going above walking yeah, pace. Yeah, I know the one you mean. I know the <laughs> exactly one you mean. It is the quintessential Littis goal. Uh, you know, but he could be that kind of mercurial like indie guy that you kind of really hope for to kind of fill out his game um, and become this all-rounder. But he kind of just stays in that little... You know, he's happy to stay in the smaller promotion where he's got a bit more control over his contract. Doesn't want to go with the big boys. and he, you know, But he retains everyone's love and respect. I actually think maybe um, there's probably parallels to be drawn between that and Chris Hero for like a lot of his uh, a lot of his career. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, although I think you'd probably argue that overall, I think Hero is probably more consistent in his craft yeah. than, than, than than Letizia was. But you don't need to be consistent when you're at the bottom to be like, you, you know, you made a million kids fall in love with football. That's great <laughs> yeah and and for for uh chris hero's uh sort of nxt job to the stars run read letitia's uh criminally low amount of six caps for england yeah that's the sort of thing it's like recognition for what you do but not enough well was you it, know was um, it that, that england b game against russia where he took his girlfriend along and he scored like the most insane hat trick of all time and his girlfriend had like never seen football before <laughs> and he just like pulled out the greatest game of all time Matt Letizia, not just a completely normal-looking bloke, but also absolutely smashing it with the opposite sex as well, just through being really good at what he does. <laughs> like, that's lovely. Good stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, so my, my other one um, was, um, well, I actually had a, um, a couple more, but I'll try and keep them short because I know we don't want to be on for too long tonight. Um, this one's obvious, um, but if we are talking about a scrapper, a brawler, a hard man, a real kind of, um, I would say, um, a kind of uh, maybe a Duggan in Mid South figure, but um, with more menace. So I was thinking maybe Bud Sawyer, something like that. Yeah. Rayum Sunus. Oh, oh, excellent shout! Just uh, it just doing a running, doing a six mm. man, and planting a flag in the middle of the ring. I mean, <laughs> it's bizarre because Graham Sunus is basically Begbie, but. <laughs> Mixed with, like, the most high-class Italian, sort of, like, classy, combative, defensive midfielder you could imagine, but Scottish. Um, like, it's just it's just so many great things put together in terms of projecting kind of hard-man aura, you know? And yeah, obviously, it's a terrifying his of, um, mad stories uh, helps as well, you know? Um, Here's a stat for you. Graham Souness was never sent off for Liverpool. And you know what? That is absolutely... Well, Actually, I mean, partly that's to do with the fact that you could get away with anything in those days. But also, <laughs> yeah. but also think about it. Sunes is famous for being hard in that era, and he didn't get sent on. He was he was a much yeah. better player than he, than than um, you might think. So I think maybe because of my love of like going back and finding old school guys that maybe modern fans in wrestling wouldn't appreciate because they think they're a bit maybe basic. They think they're not very flash. You know, they're a bit all brawl and, and nothing else. Well, um, you know. Uh, sometimes there's a subtlety to that and there's a, a skill so that's a, a maybe a good good example of one in, in soonest in football and now for a more um, personal uh, personal one um, well I I do have another one yeah uh, that I'd like to for the sake of balance because yeah. I am Glaswegian uh, so I don't get my windows panned in 
we need a second balance. So we've had a Rangers one. Yep, so I would yep. like to submit to you, Neil Lennon. I thought you were going to say James yes. Madison. <laughs> Sorry, we've got to get our one in. That's our one. The mold, the mold. I'm thinking of Puerto Rico. You know, he used to throw yep. batteries at people. Yeah, I mean, he could build sent him in the post. I mean, how how Puerto Rico is that? It's pretty Puerto Rico. I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you said it in that way and not like I would like to submit to you, Neil Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's that's a very good shout out. Again, like um, we've we've just ended it. We've just had a season in which uh, the the Scottish Premier League season was capped by a, a very pro wrestling match. Actually, uh, Hibs five Rangers five, featuring a last minute equaliser for Hibs and Neil Lennon getting sent off for running onto the pitch after the goal while the game was still going on and doing an aeroplane impression. Incredible. <laughs> like a fucking 10-year-old at a yeah. wedding. Absolutely that, brilliant. That's probably what I'd do in that situation, though. It would be good. Um, so, uh, D- Daniel, what was your uh, what was your? Uh, yeah, yeah, one? so it was... Um, well, um, I was a little bit torn because I wanted to pick a City player. And I wanted to pick a City player from um, the era that um, um, we were at our lowest ebb. Um, because despite what people might think about us, um, our fans um, have watched our clubs um, in the lowest possible um, divisions um, of English football by one. <laughs> like uh, in terms of the professional league, so um, I was going to go for um, Sean Gota uh, because I thought what Gota could be would be a, a brilliant kind of um, uh, underdog, plucky babyface who could fluke wins, kind of a bit like a Mikey Whipwreck figure, right? Um, feed the goat and he will score. Exactly, feed the goat and he will score, or feed the goat and he will improbably win by accidentally knocking someone out with his ass. Like, um, you know, um, there could be a bit of uh, that in there as well because Sean Gota was a man that. Um, when he first came to City, he was derided. Um, we didn't. We thought he's useless. He couldn't hit. You know, couldn't hit. Couldn't hit the target for love and the money. Um, and then all of a sudden, we started putting a bit more effort in, and the goals started coming. Whether they came off his elbow, his ass, um, or sometimes just good finishes. But he put himself about, and he somehow would get himself in the box and get us a goal somehow. Get something on the end of it. So I think a plucky baby face. Getting wins over bigger opponents, maybe, uh, with some uh, roll-ups, uh, some cradles, uh, would be a, a good Sean Gover. I think that'd be good. Um, and also, like, I mean, if he's from Bermuda, he probably knows JBL. Well, right? exactly, yeah. He's probably sold him um, some shares and some shorts. Like. <laughs> and, uh, well, actually, one more before we move on, I just thought of, because we've talked about, like, different roles these people might have. I, I think we need a, a really pathetic jobber mm. as well. Um, or maybe not just... A, a, yeah, we have a jobber, but also a tragic sort of figure. Someone who um, had a lot of potential back in the day to be a big star and then just settled into this um, this uh, sort of cycle of jobbing, like uh, Iron Mike Sharp, mm. uh, for instance. And I think the Iron Mike Sharp of wrestling, uh, very highly rated young player, but uh, soon settled into obscurity and uh, looked like an absolute drip as well, which is good because you want your uh, uh, jobbers to look pathetic. Uh, Francis Jeffers. Freddie Jeffers. Oh, bless him. The, the fox in the Freddy box. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Freddie Adu there. <laughs> Freddie Adu. Freddie Fre- 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 Adu is um, the uh, so- someone who got into it when they were a teenager and then was basically never heard from again, so he's uh, half of the stardom roster. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still convinced he only exists on Football Manager. <laughs> and, 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 and a certain season of the um, Five Live um, Football Ponin with uh, Dot and Adebayo. 
Oh yeah, when Sean Le- Sean Wheelock used to literally just get asked about Landon Donovan and Freddie Freddy Adu over and over again. And he'd somehow managed to um, he'd somehow always managed to shoehorn in. And of course, if we compare this to my other favorite sport, mixed martial arts, um, then, <laughs> you know, DC United are really doing well there. My favorite that that reminds me of my favorite ever episode of the World Football Phone-In was when there was a buddy buddy a town were linked with a guy from. I think it was the Democratic Republic of Congo or or Gambia, somewhere around about that region. And um, literally every second caller was um, calling in, asking about this mythical DR Congo player who was signing for Bunny Town. Now, the problem was is that the pundit was Duda Simi Thomas, who knows literally fuck all about African football, despite the fact he's a football expert. And it was just like, what do you think this guy for Buddy? And he said, I don't know who this player is. Please stop phoning in. I don't know anything about him. Like, I don't know who he is. It's just absolutely wonderful. So now that we've talked about footballers that we think would be uh, would be good pro wrestlers, we're going to move on to another aspect of football which we believe makes it hashtag pro wrestling, and that is the promos. So we we've uh, did a little bit of uh, preparation, which is uh, more more than zero, which is what we uh, were intending to do for this uh, this episode. But we thought it might be good to uh, go and maybe each choose one or two promos uh, each, and uh, really uh, really discuss them, and uh, maybe 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 see uh, which one we think is probably the greatest football promo of all time so i've got a couple to kick us off with and um i i did i did say to the um uh, the guy the guy said to me uh give, give me a, tr- a transcript or a vid- video of your promos i was like i don't need to give you one for this because like you all know it already and that's uh kevin keegan's infamous uh, i would love it if we beat them Good old um yeah and um it's it's i mean it, it's become sort of mythical in uh football terms and uh everyone kind of everyone remembers it wrong because um everyone th- everyone remembers it as newcastle had this big old lead at the top of the premier league and um and then they threw it away and actually man U had already supplanted newcastle um for first place at the time and so um what it kind of reminded me of is it's not quite jumping Jeff Farmer, but you you know what I mean. It's the kind of the person who is trying to do the fired up baby face promo, but you can tell in their eyes that they don't quite have the courage of their convictions. Um, it reminded it remind I was. It's funny you mentioned that because um, I thought of almost the, the exact same thing from a similar genre, um, which was I don't know if you if you guys have watched much Smoky Mountain, uh, but the start of Smoky Mountain, um, Cornette has a big um, space at the top of the company where he's looking for this big old school kind of baby face um, and he picked, I know what you're talking about yeah he picked primetime Brian Lee um, every single one of his promos is pretty much what you just described George it's, it's yeah really it, it's like that's the it's like that's the thing that uh, TJ Perkins' character from uh, Southport Regional Wrestling is uh, is taking the piss out of. Yeah. That kind of incredibly bland uh, territorial ace who has to kind of yeah. uh, fit an archetype. So I think I think you know we don't need to discuss the Keegan mm. promo too much because everyone uh, everyone knows about it. If you're if you're even tangentially interested in football, you'll know this promo. So we're going to do some uh, slightly deeper cuts. So the other one I came up with was uh, now. When I say this promo is uh, pure ECW, um, you'll get what I mean. And this is uh, from uh, 2008. Um, uh, it's uh, Joe Kinnear, who was uh, the uh, Newcastle United manager at the time. Now, just for a bit of uh, background, um, just for our 
our listeners who have uh, who are not into football and have presumably have spent the last 45 minute, minutes wondering what the fuck are we on about. Um, so years ago, Newcastle United got bought by a guy called Mike Ashley, mm. who's the uh, the, uh, the uh, um, chief executive and founder of uh, Sports Direct. You need to pronounce um, it correctly. It's sportsdirect.com, UK's number one. Of course, how can I forget? Um, Mike Ashley is actually pretty much Vince McMahon. He's uh, he's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. Uh, you know he's worth in the high hundred millions, uh, and he's got a lot of capital behind him. Also exploits his workers like Vince McMahon. Don't need to put an allegedly on that because you know, look at numerous newspaper investigations into this zero hour contracts, all that sort of shit. Um, so he he became he became Newcastle manager and. Uh, I think I think the two army thought their luck was in and thought, wow, wow there's this really rich guy um, come to our club. He's going to invest loads of money, and he kind of he kind of hasn't in in uh, recent years. They've been very fortunate in having uh, Rafa Benitez as manager the last uh, couple of years. I saw them described uh, on more than one occasion as a, a championship team with a Champions League manager. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's absolutely there's true. been there's been a lack of investment and some puzzling managerial hires. Uh, shall we say to say nothing of trying to rename St James's Park the Sports Direct Arena, uh, and you know people in English football just not having this. You can build a new stadium and call it like the Emirates Arena or the Bet Three Six Five whatever or the the John Smith Stadium, you know. But uh, trying to rename an existing ground mm. is uh, mm. you know anathema. I mean, as George just mentioned, because you'll you might you'll remember this. Um, I um, it's related, obviously. I um, used to live right next door to St. James's Park in Newcastle, um, like, uh, literally um, two minutes away from the ground, um, where, you know, I could hear everything on match day. Um, to say that um, Ashley went from a face to a heel in Newcastle, from the, the things that my neighbours would tell me, is an over-exaggeration. It was phenomenal, the hatred for him there now. I once went to a Newcastle game, I think it was the last game of the season against Cardiff, and there was like... This wasn't even a big game. I think Newcastle were safe. There was nothing at stake. I think Cardiff were maybe possibly getting relegated. Or maybe had already been relegated. But essentially, this was a nothing game. And there was still hundreds of people outside protesting. Handing out leaflets. Absolute like verbal battles between fans who hated Ashley. And fans who also hated Ashley but realised they couldn't fucking get rid of him. Just absolutely screaming at each other going... What's the point? We can't get rid of him. He's here, like, and it's just like absolute like heated emotion. You could see it like everywhere. Yeah, Mike Ashley is. I don't think it's much of a stretch to say he's possibly the most hated man in Newcastle. Mike Ashley's got Memphis yeah. in Newcastle. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. I love that the debate wasn't. It wasn't about whether they hated Ashley. They all hated Ashley. It was just a question of practice. Yeah. Yeah. That was the. It's uh, like where do we go next? So, um, we, yeah. What's the most practical thing to do to yeah. get rid of him? And and uh, probably one of Mike Ashley's more puzzling decisions uh, was to uh, hire uh, Joe Kinnear as manager. Now Joe Kinnear, um, he had been a. He'd been manager of uh, quite a few teams, uh, most notably uh, Wimbledon, where he sort of constructed a team in the sort of Bobby Gould yeah. mould, where they were not exactly easy on the eye, but very difficult yeah, to break down. Yeah, that's where I remember him from my youth. Uh, first football match I went to, Joe Keir was manager of uh, Wimbledon against him. Yeah. But um, that was... Uh, he hadn't managed um, 
at a professional level for four years at the time, and his previous job had been a ill-fated months-long spell with uh, Nottingham Forest uh, in the uh, in what is now the Championship. So it was quite a surprise to see him uh, hired. So one of his uh, first acts as a Newcastle manager was to call a press conference and um, have uh, this following exchange. Who's the front Simon Boo? Me. Who? Your hands. Okay, send it to your face. Yeah. All right. Nile Hickman. It's me. Fucking out of order. Absolute fucking out of order. You are. And if you do it again, tell him now, fuck off and go to another ground. I will not come and stand for that fucking crap. And that's fucking life. What the fuck? They had a day off. No, the fact that you're fucking saying they, they, I turned up and they, and they fucked off. I you're you're, you're trying to. Fu- I fucking read it. it. I fucking read it. Doesn't say that. I read it. Doesn't say that. You're fucking you trying to undermine it. my position already. No, no, you read it. it. Doesn't say that. I knew you. Knew fuck it. off. I knew you knew Your last fucking chance. Your last fucking oh, chance. No, no, I'm no, telling you. Your last. Because you read that and the way I fucking read it. Hey, oh, that looks good headline. That's a good headline. You read the copy. It doesn't that say that you're negative, bastard, a pair of you. Fucking negative. Yeah. 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 If, I, if, I, if, I, if I get a new job next week, will I take the first day off? What? If I get a new job next week, will I ring your boss up and say. None of your fucking business. What's it fucking got to do? You ain't got a fucking balls. You ain't got a fucking balls to be a fucking manager. Fucking day off. Well, your opinion, I've got to listen to you. No, I mean. Hey, I wanted to have a fucking 24-hour meeting. With the entire staff. You could have done that Sunday. You know, no. Six weeks. No. Sunday. No. Saturday. No. I didn't want to do it. I had other things to do. No. You're not fucking well, my personal secretary. Well, you're my personal secretary. Fuck off. You could have done it Saturday, like Sunday. Yeah. So okay. You could. Who said? Who said? Who said? Videos. Sunday, I was with the fucking chairman, the owner, and everybody else talking about things. And you should fucking mind your own business. You should mind your own fucking business. I don't trust you in any way. I think nobody could believe that the first day that your new club, the players, the first team players were not in. I mean, nobody could believe it in the town. I mean, it was widespread. They're playing no, Sunday. Your, your first natural day in the office was Monday, and nobody could no, believe No, no. My first squad. natural day was with the fucking squad, was with the coaches. That was my decision. I wanted to get as much information as you I wanted. I wanted to. And the players were off on Monday. We tell you fucking start on Monday. We were. We were told. I'll fucking tell you anything. Uh, Gareth, we were told that Joe was starting on Monday, not Saturday. We were told you were starting on Monday. But it's one thing. It's one thing to write a straight story and say the first day of training was. Well, I did. Do, 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 exactly do, I know, but the headline. You know, look. look I don't write I know that. But yeah, but I'm saying the way the story. I don't understand in any way you're coming from. You're fucking glad or something. No, no, Newcastle are getting beat and then stay there. Absolutely not. You must be fucking delighted. Just a fan for life. I'm not. But I mean, we don't want to see him get beat at all. Why would we? But there was widespread astonishment that on your first day in the job, the players would, would give you the day off. And we've got to reflect that. Joe, to be fair, they weren't the only two. I mean, uh, there was... Everybody is. I've got names in there. Anyway, I've got to tell you, honest to God, I've done it before. It's going to my fucking lawyers. So is about three other stuff. It's going to them. And if they can fucking find something here that's a court case, it's going to court. I'm not fucking about it. that's what it's going to be. You can't talk to fucking anybody. Anything I say, I do. You're fucking raking up. I saw last week. You're fucking so fucking slimy. You're raking up players that played with, that I got rid of. I tell you what. You're fucking raking up players Joe, that I've fallen out with. You're not asking fucking Robbie Earl, because no, he, he's sensible. You're not what asking uh, Warren Barton. No, he's fucking sensible. 
You're not marking anybody that, that played for 10 years under me at any level. You'll fucking find some cunt who I told wasn't good enough. Scotty, you're not on my squad, get lost. Oh, let's get him on fucking TV. How long's your contract? Let, let's, let's, let's talk to him. How long's your contract here for? None of your business. What's your next one? Oh, so, um, yeah, joking here. Um, this was absolutely... Um, extraordinary stuff like as i said pure ecw mm. just the vitriol that this guy is uh, spouting towards uh, towards journalists for um basically uh, well, what i think i understand from the transcript is like uh, taking the day off on his first day in charge yeah, like, like, we should make that clear on his first day of charge they took the day off and he is reacting to something that happened on his first day of charge this is at what day two three four into the job and already he's just coming out with both barrels yeah. and he's uh, unloading the clips around the room. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, like, you know. And the thing is, is that I'm not often someone that defends football journalists, because I actually think that football journalists are pretty much the second rung um, of, like, lowest life form in the horrible fish tank of life, um, compared maybe... Okay, they're, they're a little bit worse than, like, Guardian, like, um, Radlib com- like, com- commentary at people. But, like, they're fucking pretty low down. They're scumbags, a lot of them. But actually, um, in recent years, you know, like, there are some football journalists who are actually more ethical, who are worth your time, and um, all these two guys seem to be doing, I mean, I think they were, I don't know if they were local journalists or national journalists, was reporting on a perfectly legitimate story, you know? Um, Yeah. And they launched into this, I mean, this really did, I think, sum up. Everyone that thought, oh my God, Newcastle have appointed Joe Kinnear, I've not heard of him since I was eight, this is absolutely (laughs) insane. What could possibly be more mad than this? Oh, I hope he goes completely postal in his first press conference as a proper old school, like, golf club drunk rant at people. Sometimes everything <laughs> you wish for comes true. Sometimes just nice things happen. Other highlights of his uh, tenure include um, uh, the mid- the very uh, very good midfielder, Charles Nzogbia, who was one of their yeah. uh, best players, handing in, a, handing in a transfer request because uh, <laughs> Joe Kinnear appeared to uh, forget his name during an interview and called him Charles Insomnia, which is uh, my favourite Faithless song. Oh, I was um, just about to do that. Uh, and uh, he, uh, I mean... There was also an interview he gave after he left when he um, uh, said that he was getting uh, rehired by the club and uh, mispronounced the name of the managing director, who would be the the very person who was allegedly hiring him. Um, That's such a fucking, like, George moment from Seinfeld. I would would absolutely love to do it. I I really hope someone will do, like... um, Joking ear soccer manager like a PC or like PlayStation game. <laughs> it's, like you're, it's a normal manager game, but like every week you have to have an increasingly more ludicrous thing happen. If anything can bring me back to gaming after an absence of over a decade, is that man? Actually, one of my mates uh, found out on uh, f- Football Manager. Uh, if you d- you do your um, post match preference conference and you've got like a multiple choice of fairly anodyne answers but there's a free text box and you can type something in and then it'll report it and if you swear the game will actually pick up on it so um uh he it, it did end up saying a uh, huddersfield town manager name redacted because uh, he's a uh, quite quite a sort of bunny academic now um uh, stormed out of a press conference after a foul mouth rant to journalists he was uh, quoted as saying dennis wise is a wonky eyed cunt i hope he knows who the daddy is <laughs> Was it AC Grayling? <laughs> I, I think to give him his full name, um, AC Grayling, AC Grayling, hashtag follow back pro Europe, hashtag we're the opposition now, hashtag anti-Brexit tactical vote. 
hashtag, hashtag liberal gammon. <laughs> He is the meltiest melt that ever melted. Um, the I think underrated things about this uh, Joe Kinnear promo, um, the thing that happens at the very end. So um, basically, um, the, one of the journalists uh, says, today we'll print the absolute truth that you think we're cunts. We can all fuck off and we're slimy. Is that fair enough? Joe Kinnear, do it. Fine. Fucking print it. Am I going to worry about it? Put it in also. that It'll be the last time I see you. Put that in as well. Good. Do it. So basically, complete breakdown in basically joking is saying if you print this about me i will never speak to you again um then the press officer tries to um tries to persuade the journalist to wipe their tapes so which the journalists very reasonably say no and then the press officer gets them uh to back onto football finally and this exchange uh, transpires journalist what are your plans for training in the next three days how's the training going joking here it's going very well no problems at all <laughs> Journalist, enjoyed getting back into the swing of things. Joe Kinnear, absolutely. I've loved every moment of it. <laughs> the thing is about now, now you may say, oh, how does this uh, jo- Joe Kinnear tirade uh, qualify as a promo? Because we've we've had uh, this discussion on our Facebook group before when uh, nominating promos for our very prestigious Stompy Awards. Um, is it a promo if it's if it there's two people involved? If it is an uh, a an interlocutor. Now, what I would I'll say is, yeah, what I would say is, this is not a conversation. <laughs> That journalist may as well fucking not be there as far as I'm concerned. This is just the unrestrained id of Cockney football manager extraordinaire Joe Kinnear. And by God, he has got some very proto-Trumpian opinions about journalists. Yeah, this is the thing about it is that it's so clearly and evidently... And everyone who... I mean, I could have told you this, that if you appointed Joe Kinnear, this would happen, you know, at that time. It's so evidently a man out of step with the tide of history that it's, like, fucking unbelievable, you know. I mean, there's a point where I actually almost feel sorry for him because I almost feel like he might be this. He might be doing this out of a kind of nervous anxiety, you know, because he's thinking, "Why? What on earth am I doing it?" You know, with all respect to them, I don't care what anyone says. One of the biggest clubs in England, in my opinion, um, in terms of fan base and support, and he's joking here. And, you know, he hasn't managed for years, so maybe, maybe it's that. But it is, um, it is absolutely predictable, and I can't understand why they would put him in the position. To be honest, I mean, in the first place, because he wasn't cut out for modern football or modern PR, you know. Well, well, did, did he not uh, step down in the end because he had a heart attack or something? Well, he'd, he'd uh, already, the thing is about him is that... Uh, I mean, the signs were there. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, he, he had to step down from Forest originally back in the day because of the heart ah, problem. Ah, that's it. He'd been looking to get back into the game, but because of the heart problem, you know, people didn't want to take a chance and time was sort of passed by. And then when he, so he thought, right, I've had a heart problem, I've rested it, now what I'll do is I'll go work for Mike Ashley at Newcastle. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, yeah, we, um, yeah, I've just looked it up. He uh, needed a heart bypass yeah. uh, operation. And I think then, he did have uh, another they, one after Newcastle, maybe. Yeah, yeah. and they ap- appointed uh, Alan Shearer on a uh, uh, temporary basis. It was that season. That was the season. Uh, I completely forgotten that season that uh, Newcastle went down hilariously. I was actually at Newcastle's last home game of that season because uh, they were playing Fulham. I had a mate from school who was a massive Fulham fan, and basically, if Fulham won, they were going to be in uh, Europe for the first time in fuck knows how long. And uh, and the thing is, Newcastle were in a chance of staying up at this point. If they'd have got literally a point from the last two games, they would have stayed up, but they didn't. So I thought, okay, the fans are going to be really behind the team. Famous St. James's Park atmosphere. And it was just like a morgue. And the most, the, the, the loudest things got all afternoon were the Fulham fans chanting, you should have stayed on the telly at Shearer. God. 
<laughs> so uh, that that's what I had in terms of promos. Um, what what about uh, what about you guys? What you come up with? Well, um, I have I have two because um, I have diametrically opposed um, promos and very much in the same vein. Uh, the first one as a joke in your one. It's Walter Smith versus Chet Young on sports scene. Two of the disappointments depart with the big money signings from Europe this summer. Bowling Mudrick, would you go along with that? No, I'm not asking that. Well, what I'm trying to say is that you've gone out and spent at the highest level. Or we think the highest level. I mean, you have to... Is the standard of of standard of player in Europe at the top level is higher again? Are you going to have to go and match these same amounts and pay these kind of fees? No, I'm not following that line of question. Well, we spent £5 million, Walter, in, in the summer on... on, on, on Good players, but these players seemingly are not good enough at the highest level in Europe. I don't think you can say that. I mean, how, can you, how can you say that? Well, I mean, they've just came into place, haven't they? I mean, you, you've got to give everybody a chance to, to settle. I mean, you saying Bobby and Lloyd can't play in Europe? No, I'm saying that... Well, Bobby's got a European Cup on his medal, for fuck's sake. You can't say he's not good enough player to play in Europe. Well, what's fucking stupid, isn't it? interview you've ever seen in your life because basically what happens is that Chick Young um, he goes to interview Walter Smith I think they'd had they'd had a poor game now, and then um, he was like they'd signed two signed two players recently Basil Bowley famously from Bowley and Waddles we've got a feeling oh, uh, the greatest football song also, ever or tangentially related football song ever <laughs> absolutely um, and Brian Laudrup, who is the greatest Danish person not who doesn't have an archive of Japanese wrestling downloads, um, and he'd signed these players, and they'd basically they'd they'd had a rough day at the office, and Chuck Young came in and 
essentially he came in and he, he was talking about his transfers and he said that the way he meant to put it was that the Rangers fans were unhappy because these new transfers hadn't done as well as they expected. He worded it completely wrongly and it basically came out as you've bought Mazzabulli and Brian Loudrup and they cannot play in Europe. And this started off Walter Smith on a tirade of... It wasn't angry. It's far more threatening and menacing than angry. It's the old Glaswegian staple of keeping your voice at quite quite a reasonable level but just shutting down someone by just totally destroying them mentally. Um, because he just starts going... He, he swears over and over and over again. If people, you know, you may you may meet Glaswegian people and they say that, you know, that stereotype of Glaswegian people, they don't actually swear that much. This is absolute yeah, proof positive that that is a lie. Because he just totally shuts down and he's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Basil Bowie won the fucking European Cup. Yeah. What the you can't yeah. say can win. <laughs> and it just escalates and Chick Young tries to dig himself out of this hole. And he just goes further and Walter Smith is clearly relishing this. Walter Smith is clearly like, I have him. He's going to try and dig himself at this hole. I'm just going to go for I'm going to the two-footed tackle in and just totally destroy him. Mm-hmm. And over at three and a half minutes, it is possibly the most awkward exchange you'll ever see. Mm. Because you think yeah. no Walter Smith is going to stab him yeah. at any point. Yeah. And at one point, the coach, I think it's I think it's Knox, I think it's Archie Knox comes in and he starts go, he, he just turns around to, to him mid-interview and just goes, Archie, do you hear the fucking shite this person's pulling it? And he just... <laughs> And he's like, wait, he says, I pull another shit, he pull this out his arse, and he's like, I'd have fucking lamped him by now and just walks away. <laughs> there's, there's two things I, I love about that bit, that bit in particular. The first one is that when I first saw it, when someone sent it to me a few years ago, I thought it was a deleted scene from the film Neds. Um, the second thing um, is that I actually think that um, genuinely that, that thing that he does where he goes, yeah, yeah like, what, listen to the shite he's talking. Um, I don't know if you agree with this, David, um, and I'm not even saying it's good or bad. I actually think it can be really funny when used effectively. But from living in Glasgow, I kind of know that as it's quite almost like quite a Glaswegian way of kind of like um, it, it, doubling the insult. It's to sort of like, you know, whether whether the other person will respond or not. It's like, ah, hey, John, have you heard this bullshit? Uh, you know, like that's quite a kind of so it's kind of really quintessentially Glaswegian to me. You know, it's got that real air of real Glaswegian violence to it, which I obviously love having lived there, to be honest. It's just this way where, like, basically they have no platform to respond to the allegations that are being thrown at them when they're telling this person all these these things about them, and this guy's just taking this at face value and just going, this guy, this guy's a dick, he's, a fu- he's fucking clueless, and he's like, well, actually, actually, and you know that he can't respond whatsoever. Yeah. And it's just, it's just and, absolutely and, wonderful. And, and and then he just goes, I'm no pedo, ask my ma. You've seen that video, right? Yeah. Yeah, don't worry. You know what the thing is with that promo? Walter Smith is absolutely in the fucking right because that that team was like, like, should have won the Champions League. Like, that that team was possibly one of the best teams in Europe at that point. It was. It was. It is. And, like, it's absolutely ludicrous to think in hindsight that Chick Young. Fucking Chick Young, who says he's a submitted fan, but come on, Chick, you're not fooling anyone. Um, if we just turn it on, they're not cut out for it. Like, it's an absolute moon unit power. And, like, I, yeah, what, what, it's what's just. What's he on about? They're not cut out for it. 
And I know he had my, a cogent my, point behind it somewhere deep within the sedimentary layer of absolute shit that he was talking, but you know, like you know that moment where it's just they've just cut, they've just they've just clutched on and they're never letting go. Yeah. And like he knows he's done for, and it's just wonderful. Walter Smith was a master of sort of of pithy obscenity because there was um, when uh, the, the the season Red Star Belgrade won the European Cup with you know the amazing team of uh, Prosenetsky and, and Boban oh, and, and all those. I'm nearly there. Keep going, mate. I'm nearly there. I'm nearly there. Keep going. <laughs> um, Walter Smith was deputised. He was assistant manager at Rangers uh, at the time. He was deputised to uh, compile a, a dossier on Red Star Belgrade, so I went to watch one of their, their games, and his report simply consisted of the sentence, we're fucked. <laughs> I'd heard that before, but I'd forgotten about it. <laughs> my my, my favourite Walter Smith uh, piffy remark ever was, uh, do you remember the 2008 Hilgen Fest in Manchester, Daniel? <laughs> Where basically Protestants from all across the country yeah. came yeah. to fuck up Manchester Town Square um, in yeah. the UEFA Cup final. Um, I, I remember there was a press conference um, before the game. And essentially, the way that Rangers got to the final was that they played anti-football. They parked the bus. And what had happened is they'd allow, they'd allow the players uh of the opposition team to try and attack them they grab they get the ball and they just punt it back to the other the other end of the field and then they just it's try again it's quite impressive yeah <laughs> but it's done well as opposed to man united but um, <laughs> a, bit more, a bit more exciting and like this this journalist took this stand and he's like i, I what do you make of all the comments of all the the football matches because i think fiorentina they played fiorentina and fiorentina had been very vocal about this about how they were playing anti-football and this was that this is the the um the, the the term that was catching on, everyone was going anti football, Rangers anti football, and all that. It was a buzzword for a while. It was, it was a buzzword, and through the whole UEFA Cup campaign, every team they played, they were all just going on about anti football when they got beat, basically. And um, I sent a viewer to go, "What do you think of all these terms of anti football? These managers saying that you don't, that you're not deserved to win, and that um, you know that your style of play is." It's boring and, you know, it's a, it's an insult to football. And he just replied going, well, none of these managers are in the UEFA Cup final. <laughs> <laughs> and they couldn't argue with it. Yeah, you know, if, if any of these team managers were in the UEFA Cup final, I'd, I'd maybe take their comments on board. But they're not, and we are. So, yeah, you know, so, well, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah thanks for that. So, um, and uh, you, you have one more for us, I believe, David. Yeah, well, this is the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, this is, uh, you mentioned about the Stompy Awards. This is my best promo of 2018. I'm not joking. Like, I will absolutely be voting this as my number one best promo of the uh, 2018. It is Dumbarton's Diddy Cups YouTube video. Pipe sweat and cigar smoke from Boghead stick in the throat like a funeral sermon's droll anecdotes about a lost hero. Somewhere, the buried prize of a Dumbarton memory is printed in a faded diary, or in tidy goals during cup victories are recorded on crude film hidden in an attic chest in Silverton. We all have them. These so-called Diddy dreams when Diddy teams lifted Diddy cups and gave our lives sparse joy instead of giving up 
like 1940, imagining Bellsmeyer lads beating biscuit tins with spoons as sons defeated Vale of Leaven for two to lift the Dumbartonshire Cup, or at the height of Beatlemania in 1965, when Castle Hill girls practiced skills round milk bottles after Falkirk were beaten in the Stirlingshire Cup final. These small triumphs may not be notable or venerable, but in the lower divisions, these moments become personal, special. The country can keep their Archie Gemmel moment because in Dumbarton's backyard stands a castle, magnet for the dark coats in G82 lingo. In Leaving Grove Park, King Robert the Bruce's internal organs are buried near the sandstone war memorial of a bronzed angel with golden wings. Like the Japanese, we paint gold into things which are supposedly broken, add beauty to their value. And in Aiken's part-time players who believe their finest days had passed, discover merit and industrious effort, unearth occasional gems like Fruxilias, no singled out hero, just a diddy team with diddy dreams of lifting diddy cups, while the rest of the country appears to self-destruct. And now, we're on the cusp. Rathy Burns talked of a skin full of bruises and wounds upon visiting this town. But the crux is that just like this team, he got through his rounds to find heaven waiting on the other side. Something is inside this club's bones like elephant tusk and volcanic stone and in the black and gold and white of supporter scarves and shadow light an occasion is waiting to be written about. Shout loud for these so-called Diddy Cups is where the love for the smaller clubs begins. Honestly, the most wonderful thing I've ever seen and it's so good. I mean, we always talk about wrestling promos. Ideally, what they're meant to do is you want to go watch the person who's cut the promo either beat someone up or get beaten up. Basically, one of mine is the win or lose. That is the entire you know, essence of a promo where you watch the guy doing the promo and you want to go to, you know, the sportatorium and watch him face Rick Flair. Yeah. You want to see Steve Bull go in. You want to be there that night at the Mid South Coliseum when fucking it's the loser leaves town match and it's all on, yeah. Exactly, because you know it's going to be a special moment. And you need to be there. Dumbarton. I mean, I mean, the, this the background behind it is incredible to be honest. Because basically, it was, Dumbarton were in the final of the Iron Brew Cup, which is the English, the, the Scottish equivalent, sorry, of the Checker Trade Trophy. It's a cup for lower league teams, for League One and Two and Championship, and uh, some other teams. But it's essentially its entire premise is to give teams who never were going to win the Premier League a day out to win a cup. Yeah. Essentially, that's the whole thing. Like you know, it's Fissel a really got good to, idea. It's fucking great. I it, think it is a great idea, and you know, Fissel got an Ironbrook Cup final, and I know many people who were there, and it's like they won the greatest days of their life. They could beat, yeah. but yeah, of yeah. course they did. But you know, um, you so know, it's it's the final. Final. yeah. But to them, you know, for that big day out, that that is it. Yeah. And for Dumbarton, yeah. they they had went a hundred and five years without a cup final, or like a, a, a national cup final, a hundred and five years. And to put it into perspective. The the um the tournament itself had been running for twenty seven years, and they had won five games in twenty seven years. 
they are they had like universal almost as bad as England's record at World Cup's opening matches. (laughs) (laughs) Not arguing. No, no. Um, It took them ten years to win a match in this tournament. Ten years of just getting knocked out in the first round every year, and then they won five games in a row this year to get to the cup final. So they had won as many games this year as they had in the last 26 years of this tournament. And they got to their first cup final and they released this, um, they released this promo and it's a video, it's a, a local poet who essentially wrote a poem about what it means to Dumbarton to get to a cup final. And um, it's it's absolutely beautiful because it, it perfectly encapsulates the fact that I mean, to, the, the easiest way to explain it was Inverness Cali were the team that they played. And Inverness Cali have been to cup finals. They've won league premiers, league titles and stuff like that. They are, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they are a big team. They have had wonderful moments. And they released our mug, basically, for this cup final. That was their cup final preparations. We had a mug, and that was it. They didn't do anything for the fans. There was no Facebook, no promotional videos or anything. They released a mug, and that was it. It's like Ed Miliband's Labour Party. Just a mug saying, more yeah. cops, stop people coming in. They <laughs> <laughs> oh, pretty much read that, yeah. Um, but Dumbarton went in the other opposite end. They raised like three grand uh, to buy balloons and scarves and drums and everything to make it into a total atmosphere. You know you know that way where like, we're never going to get this again. We're going to make it the greatest day of our lives. Yeah, this is and it. And he released this video and it was about how it was going through all the the Diddy Cup. It's called Diddy Cups, and it's about it, Scot Scottish fans get this a lot. Where um, I think in England it's referred to as tin pot, which is an absolutely, you know, shockingly embarrassing word to ever use. And if you ever use this, yeah. you must just sterilise yourself. Yeah, as far as I'm um, concerned, all trophies are trophies, and I'd like to win them if I was on my team to win them. This. Yes. Is, but you get the, all the melts on Facebook who are like, oh, man, Nan could win the Scottish Premier League. Oh, yeah, but did she? Oh, did she? No, she didn't. I, did I, like, a shout, I like to shout out to uh, Matt Greer, our, our friend uh, friend of the show, Matt Greer, who posted during the England World Cup game about um, about how people were outraged at Enya Luko, uh, the Women's uh, World Cup uh, captain. She's a captain, wasn't she? She was a pundit. No, she was. She wasn't captain, but she was a uh, sort of important. Yeah, uh, she was like a, a talisman. The women's team. Yeah. A, yeah, a talisman finger for them, and people were like, "Fuck it, a woman finger." And, and there were, uh, he said that, uh, "What about you know they say that um, you know women shouldn't be funding. What about your nan? She's got six SPL golden boots." <laughs> <laughs> so um, shout out to at Jesse the cat there, but um, yeah. So like, this entire poet, it's a poem. It's about you know all the the trophies that they've won. So for example, the, um, they've won. Let's see, in nineteen sixty five, they won the Stirling Shire Cup, um, defeating Falkirk, which is like a regional trophy of like five teams. Or in nineteen forty, they defeated Vale of Leven four two to win the Dumbartonshire Cup. Now, if you're like a Celtic or a Rangers fan, that means absolutely nothing to you. These sort of things are. You know, um, they're just absolutely meaningless. But to every to teams who aren't, you know, big mega teams, it's those sort of days that you know mean everything to you. And it's like, I mean, we, for example, Fissel have the tenant sixes. We are the reigning champions of the tenant sixes indoor six aside tournament that we won in like 1994, and then he stopped afterwards. And it is the trophy that is out outside. 
Uh, it's in the trophy cabinet in the in the reception hall at for Hill, and it's a mythical thing for us that you know we won the tenant sixes despite the fact that it's literally just a six aside tournament to like punts and cans. But like to us, that's a big thing, and every team has that. And it's but the fact that it's shown that the, this means so much to everyone. This is the world. And if a wrestler came out with a promo like this, um, set to ecstasy of gold, because it's set to ecstasy of gold, and it just it, they came out and they were having a like a light heavyweight championship defense, or like I know they were challenging for like the European title, the hardcore belt, and they came out with this going, yeah, to the rock and stone cold, the hardcore belt means nothing. But to me, this is the belt that this is the only belt I'll ever win. You know, yeah. this means everything to me. This is my WrestleMania moment, like winning the hardcore belt. It would it would be promo of the year. People would be going absolutely yeah. mental if a mid card of today did that on like some no a uh, lower t- rung title, like the cruiserweight title, if someone came out and cut out a promo of this level. It is yeah, absolutely it would be fucking going mental. Like, I, I don't mean that as necessarily as an insult. I mean, it would. It would really get loads of fucking traction. I think. I mean, we'll put it this way. Like, I mean, in this, in this, there's a verse in this, and it's the country can keep the Archie Gemmell moment because in Dumbarton's backyard stands a castle, magnet for the dark coats in G82 lingo. In Leaving Grove Park, King Robert the Bruce's internal organs are buried near the sandstone war memorial of a bronzed angel with golden wings. Like the Japanese, we paint gold into things which are supposedly broken, add beauty to their value. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Sorry, we, we add beauty to... What was that bit? We add beauty to things that are supposedly broken. Yeah, we paint oh, gold God. into things because the gold and black, they are, they're, they're, their colours are gold and black, so like the Japanese, we paint gold into things. <laughs> but it's just it, like... It, it, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. It's really great. It, it's, it, it's genuinely great oratory. Mm. Like, it pisses all over those nationwide adverts uh, in terms of... Uh, <laughs> I, I, in terms I, don't know, of I don't know about you, but that's my yardstick for oratory. Are you listening, Joy Friends? Yeah. With your carrier bag chat. Joy Friends! Winston Churchill! Cicero. <laughs> Dennis um, Norden! But, but yeah, to me, um, so, this is absolutely runaway promo of the year. The Barton get beat by a last minute goal, by the way, just so you know. So that shows oh, you, God. even there, it just shows you the inherent beauty and agony of football and that you have such a beautiful thing like this and then it gets fucked up by a last minute goal well, that's football I mean, isn't it like, that's just, it re- wrenches your heart out of, its, of your chest you know we were talking about how that um, you know a promo is something that makes you want to go I literally bought a ticket for the Iron Brew Cup final on the basis of this video I went and I sat with the Neds and I got a smoke bomb flung <laughs> a, a yard away from my face that's how good this promo was that I bought a ticket to go because I wanted to see them win and beat the scummy Cali Fissel. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go and watch it like gen- genuinely after we finish recording. It's brilliant, uh, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a uh, promo of a uh, a different genre to I this, do. haven't you? Um, well, I, I do. Um, I've got a few kind of um, well, I guess things that I was thinking about nominating, but that I didn't think really fitted. Um, I'll very quickly do them. Um, just it reminded me, George, when you were talking about him, is a sit-down interview with an interlocutor. I can never pronounce this interlocutor. Um, I probably fucked it up to be better. Yeah, so yeah, it's probably better than me. I'm a fucking English teacher. I should know this shit. Um, guy, guy, they're talking to. There you go. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, yeah, excellent. There we go. Translation is key. Um, so yeah, basically, it's the famous um, uh, Clough Revy. Um, oh yes. Uh, uh, sit down. Well, I think that um, 
truthfully, um, Brian is a fool of himself. I must be very, very honest here. I honestly feel that he's criticised Matt Busby, Bertie Mee, me personally, Norman Hunter, Peter Lorimer, Billy Bramner, Peter Story. He's criticised so many people in the game whose records stand to be, to be, to be seen. He's criticised so many people. This is his style. If he wants to be that style, fair enough. But I think that is totally, totally wrong for the game of professional football. He says about honesty and things like this. But when you talk about honesty, if honesty is going to destroy the game, then you're in all kinds of trouble. I think ah. you're doing the game. I think you're doing the game a great disservice. Yes, I would. In other words, the accusation is that you're trying to shoot your mouth off. About. So now when you talk about... I would agree completely. Let me answer his question, question first. Let me answer his question first. He talked about winning the championships better or, or differently. Our record is there to be seen for 11 years. Yeah. Right? The first four or five years, I've always said this, we played for results. The last four or five years, we've been the most entertaining side by crowd entertainment and topping charts with national newspapers and television. Although also, Don, the disciplinary chart. The disciplinary chart. You topped that. We topped that once. Well, you topped it for the last two or three years. No, 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 that's not, that's not true. Um, it wasn't 100% right, I will agree. Sorry. It wasn't 100% right, discipline on yeah. the field, and last year we straightened it out. Well, it was. It was. You were yeah. at the top. Yeah, yeah. But when you, you see, Brian, when you talk about coming to take the Leeds job and you had all these things and all these worries about stepping in marshes and one thing and another. Which I had. Yes, you had. But why? Why did you come from Brighton to Leeds to take it all when you'd criticised them so much and said we should be in the second division for this and we should do this and we should do that? Why do you take the job? Well, because I thought it was the best job in the, in the country. Of course it was the best job in the country. I was taking over the Leeds champions. Yeah, you were taking over the Leeds champions. You were taking over the best bunch of players that you've ever seen. Well, you'll I, have a, you'll... I didn't know about the players, Don. You didn't know I, I didn't know them intimately like you do. But I know you were the league champions, and I was taking over the league champions. I wanted to have a crack at the European Cup this year. Yes. I think that was near and dear to your heart also. Yeah. Yes. Um, I wanted to win it. I wanted to do something you hadn't done. Now, when I said, I think I said it to Trevor Cherry, actually, or most of the players, he said to me, what can you do that the boss hadn't done? You, the boss, referring to you. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. Now, there is no other reply to that question. No. But because there's... you had won the league. Yeah, but there's no way you could win it better. Why not? Only... No, 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 no. But that's the only hope I've we're, got. We're only, we're only lost four matches, isn't it? But that, well, and I can I, only lose three. No, 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 no. I couldn't give any other answer. And no. I wanted to win the European Cup. I believe that well... it was just a fraction done. A fraction. I don't know this because I've not spoken to you. But I believe it was a fraction whether you took the England job or had another shot at the European Cup. That is totally true, because I was so involved with the players and, and everybody at Ellen Good lad. Now, I wanted to do that, and I want to do it better than you. You can understand that, can't you? Yes, and I think if you'd said that to our players, then you would have got the message across. I couldn't say that to our players, as you say. I couldn't say that to our players just as a bold statement. You see, when I went in there, there was friction. There was unhappiness. Friction? What do you mean, friction? There was unhappiness because you'd gone an unsigned contract. No, no, no. But uh, when you walked hey, in, don't... when you walked in, tell me don't. this, when you walked in, did you have a meeting the first day with them? No. Why? Because I didn't think it was necessary to have a meeting the very first day. So you were taking over as manager of a yes. new club. Yes. And you don't call all your players and your coaching staff and your office staff together. No. And, and introduce yourself and meet them and tell them exactly what you feel and what you want to try and do. Don! 
The first day I walked in, I came back from holiday and I did two hours training with them. Why didn't you get them to work together? Because I didn't think it was necessary. Why? Because I thought that I would do it more subtly and different instead of having everybody bang, bang, bang. They were all on edge. I was on edge. So you could have put them at ease. No, hang on. Uh, how? I went in and talked to them. Oh, talked to them? I took the shirts off the backs after they finished training. I used to do that. I massage them on the face. Of course. Of well, that was my approach, of course. But you didn't meet everybody the first day. I shook hands and said hello. Met them. Everybody? I, I Did you go to the laundry ladies? Did oh, you no. go to the office staff? Oh, no. I'm sorry. Did you go to the groundsman? No, I didn't have time to do that, Don. It was players. You must have had... Don't I have, have, have to interrupt minutes. here because we, we, we're getting towards the end. I want, to, I want to ask, what's your reaction to a board that doesn't back you up, that sacks you after seven weeks? <laughs> I haven't had time to know them either. Just as I believe, I haven't had time to do the job. Now, I really thought we, we are pushed for time. I, I, I thought maybe I could leave this out, but honestly, I can't. All right, I'm sorry. Uh, indulge me. Um, I won't go about it for too long, but um, for those that don't know, it's a sit-down interview with um, Brian Clough. Um, often considered to be one of the greatest English managers of all time, um, an incredibly charismatic um, and groundbreaking um, figure in a lot of ways, but controversial, um, prone to a bung and um, an alcoholic later on in his life, but, um, you know, um, he, he was without sin and all that. Um, but um, won two European clubs back-to-back -back with an unfancied um, side um, and also won a league with an unfancied side um, in, in Derby County where before he won the European Cup with Nottingham Forest. Um, in the UK, he's very much a... Well, for a lot of people, I think he's up there with the likes of kind of Bill Shankly, um, and maybe like someone like Jock Steen would be seen in in Scotland, David. Yeah. Or um, you know Busby, those kind of people. Um, he's considered yeah. to be um, kind of um, the, as influential as these great managers, you know, that we've had that are all kind of have the thing in common that they were working class men um, with kind of actually low key socialist inclinations. Um, um, a lot of them, which manifested itself in their football. Uh, but Clough was fired from Leeds, his famously disastrous spell there, um, which was almost this kind of weird masochistic thing that he indulged in, which is probably summed up quite well by David Peace's um, fiction, The Damned United, which I think does reflect quite a lot of reality. Um, and it's just a sit-down interview. And a great film as well. Yeah, well, there's the film, yeah, yeah, too, as well as the book. Um, and the sit-down interview is um, something which would be bizarre even by today's standards, but then was just like incendiary. Um, it's um, them sitting down in Leeds, um, in a TV studio, um, with uh, Clough in one seat. Um, the interview, is it Austin Mitchell? No, I can't remember who that, he's an MP. I can't remember who the, the interviewer is. He's, um, so he wasn't an MP. Um, he's sitting there with, um, Don Revy, who he succeeded at Leeds and who was, um, himself one of the most successful managers you could ever imagine in English football. His Leeds team. He was England manager at the time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Don Revy was, you know, did incredible things with Leeds, made them into a powerhouse in the country and almost unbeatable in many people's eyes. Um, and um, the thing is, though, is that Revy didn't have Clough's charisma. Um, and Revy didn't appeal, I don't think, to... Um, he, he appealed to that section of Leeds, but he didn't appeal to that section that Clough appealed to, which was this, like, um, you know, the, the working-class um, um, sort of person with a, with a real imagination for flair, um, for kind of, like, wanting to see that reflected in, in, in people they saw on, on TV. And um, it's an incredibly interesting debate. It would be sort of... I'm trying to think of a wrestling equivalent, but the nearest I can come to, and I know... Neither of you guys maybe have seen this. I don't know. I'll ask you. But for those who have or those that want to seek it out, please do. You can find it on YouTube. Um, it's from Georgia Championship Wrestling um, um, a long time ago now. I can't remember the exact date. It's um, Mr. Wrestling 2 um, against um, The Assassin. Now, they are having um, an interview. I think the interlocutor is um, Gordon Soley. 
um, who is probably on more drink than I am now. Um, and um, it's just one of the most incredible um, sort of instances of this kind of subtle face and heel dynamic where these guys just um, needle each other. Like they just needle each other with little points and little digs until things begin to kind of fire up and then they kind of simmer down again. It's very controlled. It's one of the greatest exchanges I've ever seen in professional wrestling history. It makes both men look completely legitimate. Um, and yeah, um, that would be what I would kind of compare it to. Um, so there was that. But forget about that. My actual pick is Mr. Neil Warnock, Colin Wanker himself. Colin <laughs> Wanker. <laughs> Um, from the august, possibly the most august in, uh, you know, celebrated manager in English football history to one of the most derided, I think unfairly that we'll get to that. Um, Colin Wanker or Neil Warnock is, is the acronym of his, uh, his true name. How can there be any fucking injuries? What a silly question, eh? <laughs> Look at me while I'm talking. The second goal. The fucking first goal, Dad. You and Chris Billy, soft as shit. You're letting him fucking back into the whole fucking day, you. And no happening. You, you're in fucking Latvia. You and you, come off. Go and get a bath. When we've gone out. You two come straight on. And you're not as bad as any. Now, hey, don't fucking melt me like we've got no to lose now. Nobody having weights, we're not playing wide. It's a quagmire. I says to you, the ball's not gonna run. The first kick you have, you try bleeding, touching it, Jeppo. Why talk? Why do I bother talking if you do that? The one, two, you and Chris, both of you, for the goal. What's your excuse there? No excuse at all, no. You mocking him. You! You're bleeding old Pat, he's backing that noise! Is he blowing? Or are you getting free kicks? We'll get in front of him then! Don't let him fucking back in! Jesus Christ! Logan, you and Dubs can do more! I think you... He... Well, we won't tell you what we fucking think. We can do more in there, to play it in there. We're third in the fucking league, and we've got 2,000 fans getting pissed on over there, and we ain't got as much passion! Um, so, um, had you guys seen this before? No. Uh, yes, I had, but not for a while. Yeah. Um, I, and this is a bit odd, but give me your initial thoughts first, because I've got, I think, opinions that are a bit against the grain when it comes to Neil Warnock in some ways. So, what did you think when you watched it? The thing is, I was gearing up for a sort because of, we all know the uh, clip, uh, the, the, the John Sitton one. Um, from uh, from that uh, from that documentary, which has been uh, there's no need for us to rehearse it here because uh, quickly Kevin Willie scored the greatest podcast um, currently on the airwaves um, did a very good uh, dissection of that in one of their episodes. I was giving up something like that when uh, John Sitton <laughs> offers his players out for a fight. Um, court says at one point, "You you big cunt," and you you little cunt because he, he can't think of anything else to, to call him and uh, and clearly obviously this year is a complete, completely counterproductive and doesn't cheer up his team at all I was ready for something like that and actually mm. what I got was something that started out like that and just turned into something actually reasonably inspiring that yeah. um, that he, he said to them was like alright look 
I don't I don't care about the uh, I don't care about the result. I just want to see something out of you. Something. This is the man who's you know under a great deal of pressure as uh, you know all football managers are, uh, just trying to motivate his team any way he knows how. So that's what I took away from it. I I felt that there was there was a very much a sense of vulnerability there, and that like you see him. You know, I think they mentioned at the start that he has like a minute. A couple of minutes by himself, where he just sits and drinks his tea alone before he goes out to talk to him, and you see him in the shower, like with the shower off, just sitting drinking tea, like contemplating himself, and you can see that it must be quite a dark place to be there when you're in that sort of situation. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like you, you kind of expect. I think, I think there is a lot of a fetishization of like you know total rants of people just losing their mind and stuff. I mean, we've done it with like Joe Kinnear and stuff like that here, but. Yeah, exactly. It is. It is a different. You can clearly see there is a there is a a reason behind what what he's saying and stuff like that. And it's not just that he's a bit of a head case. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You can I empathise with him more than you could ever with, let's say, John Sitton. Because even though John Sitton was in a really, really, really bad situation, and you know you, you could you could empathise with that. The way that he handled it, just totally. You lost any favour in him because of it. You just looked at a laughing stock, but I don't think that was the case here. No, no. Um, I'm I'm really glad that you you both thought that actually because I'll be honest. Um, I think after I saw this um maybe a couple of years ago um um when, when someone mentioned it to me maybe sent it to me on Facebook or something, and um I was kind of going in a bit like um a bit like you guys where I was thinking oh god you know cause it's like you know a Neil Warnock Bollocking. And Neil Warnock, as I said, he's very much kind of, um, he has the piss taken out of him a lot in English football. Um, he doesn't play the most attractive football, perhaps, or the most advanced tactically. But I tell you what, the guy's record outside the Premier League is actually excellent. Um, I mean, it's, it's phenomenally good, actually. Um, in terms of, if you put him in charge of your club, there is a very good chance that you will get promoted. Um, and that to me is, that, that shows to me that, well, you know, there can't be many than about 20 odd managers that are better than him. Um, at any one time, um, he's just taking Cardiff off. off hasn't yeah, he? exactly. He's still successful now. Now, I, I I will cop to not liking the way his teams play football. Um, I'm a bit of an idealist. I know that always happened even when my team was shy. <laughs> wasn't uh, so I don't really um I don't really enjoy the way his teams play football. But I actually think he gets a lot of unfair stick. I actually think that sometimes he comes across a nice bloke, actually, which a lot of people don't seem to think. I, I thought this was phenomenal because I thought it was a great insight into, you mentioned that vulnerability. I thought that was key to it because I think that what Sitton doesn't do is I think Sitton's terrified of vulnerability um, in, in that famous rant. He's terrified of, of coming across like he's not in control or, or whatever. But Warnock is enough of a kind of um, um, leader um, in a positive sense, I mean, you know, in someone that can inspire people that he knows when to just taper it down, but also when to show that a little bit. He's not afraid for his voice to break at times or for a show of frustration. There's a bit where he just goes, oh, fucking hell, <laughs> like that, when he's talking yeah. about the tactics, you know. Um, and it's this, it's this exasperation and disappointment, which um, is, you know, actually quite important when inspiring people sometimes because it's very intense. And there is a bit where he gets right in the guy's face, and I thought it was going to kick off, actually, um, at, at one point. But in the end, as you said, he actually starts... Halfway through the run, he's talking about, right, we're going to switch to a 4-2-2. Oh, sorry, 4-4-2, um, or, or whatever. You know, we're going to switch this around. We're going to have you there. We're going to have you there. You're coming off. You're doing that. 
he's giving instructions that are useful. And by the end of it, he actually does that thing where he talks about the fans. You know, he's saying, we've got, you know, I think, what is it? We've got 6,000 people here in the pissing rain and you don't even have enough passion. But, you know, and on one level, that's blustery English bullshit or crying passion. But I'll tell you what, if I was in that dressing room, I would go out in that second half and I would fucking play for him. Like, big time. Like, so I just thought it was really, um, I, so I was trying to think of what I could compare it to in wrestling. And I was thinking, well, maybe someone with unexpected depth or someone that you didn't really, you know, expect to be a very good promo. Um, and then all of a sudden kind of, um, just like pulls it out of the bag. Um, but I couldn't really think of a, a great example. So have you guys got any ideas about that maybe or, or how, who we could compare them to in the world of wrestling in that promo? I, 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 there's, there's not a particular person, but there's a, uh, sorry, if there's a particular promo by that person, who I don't think is necessarily a great promo, but one which really reminded me of, and that was, um, I mean, we know that uh, the man just uh, passed away now that the promo was cut on, but this was um, uh, Will Ospreay's promo calling out Vader. Oh, yeah. at, uh, and Will Ospreay was, is, is not an amazing talker by any stretch and it started out and you know it started out and you're thinking okay this is going to be one of these like is it a shoot or is it a work uh sort of things and it is gonna it's gonna be quite cringe but actually it turned into like a very good fired up uh, promo of you know the young guy calling out uh, the old veteran and something that was de- delivered with uh, real uh, panache and and passion and uh, so I don't think it's an, it's an exactly map onto no, that and I know that's actually I, I know you, yeah yeah I, like I mean that. I would say you know we may you know people may you know have their, their cast and criticisms about it but I mean put it this way they get fucking promoted at the end of the season. <laughs> Yes, because yes, yes, Huddersfield versus Shrewsbury and Huddersfield got promoted at the end of the season. They won the playoff against Bristol Rovers. So, you know, you can't argue with results. Well, exactly. You know, he's clearly he's clearly on one level doing something right there. You know, um, whatever it is, it's it's working. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. Um, well, uh, this has been what I think will, looking at the uh, length of time, will probably have to be part one of uh, hashtag uh, football is pro wrestling. There is so much football as the Mitchell and Wolf sketch says, should, football um... is officially going on forever. <laughs> um, so. Um, I hope it does. Hope yeah, so. no, no. It, it really <laughs> so is. I, um, I, I, th- I think my wife feels like it's going on forever because <laughs> what happened is that basically the season ended. And then I went and watched some junior games for a few weeks. And then the World Cup started. And then when the World Cup finishes, mm. it's back to the, the season again. So, yeah, the football is going on forever. Um, I, I've, had a few, I've had a few dates recently with various people where I've just said, just so as you know, I am a bit tied up for the next few weeks. Um, you know, if you, if you do <laughs> want to see me again, it might have to be in between Iran and Spain. <laughs> um, I, well actually I said that last week I was playing Magic the Gathering yes I play Magic the Gathering get over it you listen to wrestling podcasts you nerd you, you can't cast losers. any aspersions um, I have a group of yeah, people yeah back in your smelling basement <laughs> you mad shut-ins um, I, I said to my <laughs> Um, my the group that I, I play Magic Gareth, I says, just so you know, I'm going to be a ghost for the next four weeks. So what it says, I'm not going to be here. I'm just going to watch the World Cup. I'm not fucking coming in to sit with you. I'm going to watch the World Cup. Is it? Yeah, we know because um, and during the Euros, and I totally forgot about this. He said that one time they were playing a game and they were they were having a lot of fun, and then me and Polish Michael just decided to fuck them off to go to the to go to Witherspoons to watch the 
uh, the Euros instead, and they were like mortally offended by this, and have remem- remembered this ever since. And I'm like, yeah, you're less important than football, so <laughs> just accept it. So, um, I mean, all that's a roundabout way of saying that we are going to be back with uh, part two of hashtag uh, footballers pro wrestling, where we are going to be uh, talking about um, you know, other things, the the, uh, the greatest uh, you know, faces and heels in pro wrestling, uh, great football angles and also some uh, football matches which may or may not have actually been uh, worked allegedly so allegedly oh, there are. well the, 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 yeah i was going to say there are some which are definite so you can uh, you can find us uh, nominally on facebook we have no content don't go on, don't go on our facebook page uh, we are on twitter, <laughs> I think uh, twitter at really. podcasts uh, yeah, Twitter at per podcast. You can find all our uh, various uh, shit posts. The if you like this football content, there already has been a lot of World Cup tweeting, and there will be World Cup tweeting to come. Um, you can find our episodes on SoundCloud, and occasionally, as I maintain the doublefootstompysilly dot com. That's I maintain the doublefootstompysilly dot com, where you can uh, also find uh, various um, spicy takes by uh, by ourselves. Um, and I think that uh, just about Ooh, does it. I've actually got uh, a. Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah, Daniel's yeah, yeah. got a plug. Uh, I've got a couple, but I need to find one of them first, so just bear with me. Um... Well, I, 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 ha- I have a couple as well. So, um, yeah, just so you know, um, I mentioned this before, I am starting a football podcast um, where we discuss teams' worst seasons. Um, it's not got a title. Um, to be honest, it's a bit of a shambles at the moment, but... Um, you know, it's coming. I think we're going to try and get, you know, Boz Johnny, the Bohemians fan who on Twitter who goes to WXW. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to try and get him to do it so he can talk about Bohemians' worst season. Um, oh, lovely. I yeah. know nothing about Irish football, so, like, I'm, I'd be well interested to listen to that. No one does. It's great. Um, but, yeah, we're looking at doing that. Um, as well as that, um, you can also buy our um, drone interpretations of the Four Pillars theme tunes at fastbuck.bandcamp.com. Uh, look for Abdullah Kobayashi, and then yeah, that that buy that, or you can get it for free. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Um, well, like I guess uh, similarly, um, I'll um, I may as well go from um, uh, weird uh, bonkers noise music to weird bonkers noise music. Um, yeah, um, if you want to keep me afloat um, during the summer, given the fact that um, remember that we don't get paid as English teachers in the summer unless we do a summer camp, and I want a fucking holiday, so I'm only working July. Um, so about <laughs> August. If you'd like to give me some money while I'm back home visit my parents, that'd be great. You can do that through um, getting my um, music off um, handlinglament.mancamp.com. Um, don't play it to anyone that is a bit of a normie. But other than that, yeah, you, you'll be fine. Um, it's pay what you want for everything. Um, give as much or as little as you like. Um, also, um, I recently started another podcast endeavor um, with um, some friends and comrades of mine. Um, it's called Are You Having Any Fun? Um, and it explores the bleak, bleak fucking existence that we currently have under late capitalism. Um, and we've got a Twitter, but I don't really use it. Someone else will. Um, and you can get us at, at fun underscore pod. George doesn't have another podcast because he doesn't have friends. Because he's a big warrior. It's a fair call. In fairness, I think none of us can speak. We're all doing If we're doing two podcasts, we can't call you a loser. <laughs> <laughs> what about Japanese wrestling? Mine's about, yeah. pop- mine's about fucking politics. I'm literally the biggest loser. Well, yeah. I I will um, probably have to tell my sister that I do a Japanese wrestling podcast, so I'm looking forward to her absolutely disowning me yeah. um, and kink shaming me probably. <laughs> um, so yeah. Hey mate, if you want, I mean, if, if you want to talk about it, I understand. 
I've, I've long said this, that if you've listened to to uh, every episode of this podcast, you know all our fucking mm. kinks. <laughs> like, I either by inferring or just by or just by listening to things we've outright said. So uh, with that, uh, with those words uh, ringing in your ears, um, I have been uh, George Thompson, uh, my comrades Daniel and David. Uh, very much thank you for uh, spending your uh, your time with us. And uh, we will see you for uh, part two of Hashtag Football is Pro Wrestling. Vamos, Radio. One of his uh, first acts as uh, Newcastle manager was to call a press conference and um, have the, this following exchange. So I'll just do it for the benefit of you, of you guys, just so you can react to it. So, and then, we'll re- then we'll replace it with the audio. Right. Which one is Simon Bird? You're, you're a cunt. Which one is Hickman? You are out of order. Absolutely fucking out of order. If you do it again, I'm telling you, you can fuck off and go to another ground. I'll not come and stand for that fucking crap. No fucking way. Lies. Fuck, you're saying I turned off and they fucked off. No, Joe, have you read it? It doesn't actually say that. Have you read it? I've fucking read it. I've read it. It doesn't say that. Have you read it? You're trying to fucking undermine my position already. Have you read it? It doesn't say that. I neither of you are having a deal. Fuck off. Fuck off. It's your last chance. You are negative bastards, the pair of you. It's none of your fucking business. What the fuck are you going to do? You ain't got the balls to be a fucking man. Fucking day off. Do I want your opinion? Do I have to listen to you? So that's basically the... Um, George, uh, you do that as absolutely going in at the end. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. It's like when Joe Graham like reads like Scott Steiner promos in a like very well spoken like North Lincolnshire accent. <laughs> like it's the uh, it's the same sort of thing. He can. Nakamura! He has done it! Isn't that just typical? What a way to win the title! And how fitting that the goal should be scored so late and should be scored by Shinsuke Nakamura! They've had to wait for the title, but good things come to those who wait. Celtic champions!